0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Salam and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. With the Vienna talks between Iran and parties to the 2015 nuclear deal speaking on behalf of the United States set to resume later this month, it is time to take stock on two levels. First of all, literally, how much fissile material do the Iranians have on hand, as they shorten at least one path to a nuclear arsenal? Secondly, how far apart in the negotiations are Washington and Tehran, as they race towards the end of this year, and with the understanding that even a weakened Joe Biden is a better interlocutor for Ali Khamenei than a Republican party headed by Donald Trump? To look into these issues, we're joined from Washington D.C. by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is a former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a distinguished fellow at the Stimson Center in Washington D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from Central Israel is Mr. Meir Javed Anfar, who is an Iran lecturer at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of both Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to this topic.
0: So, Jonathan, um, what are we talking about when we talk about the talks? As you indicated, uh, these are only the uh, preliminary rounds... After which, uh, uh, should they be successful, the other parties to the old uh, JCPOA could uh, move um, to the uh, sideline for a while, and the United States and uh, Iran will engage directly. Because up to now, these are uh, sorts of uh, proximity talks where the American delegation speaks to the other parties and they go to the Iranians. Of course, this is a charade because uh, the parties uh, know very well uh, where each uh, stands. But having said that, when the Iranians announced that on the 29th of this uh, month they are ready to resume uh, the talks, they also came out with a declaration regarding the uh, stock of fissile material uh, which they have. And uh, one of their senior officials, uh, which I'm sure Oli knows very well, said that they already have 210 kilos of uh, uh, uranium enriched to 20% level and 25 kilos enriched to 60% level. And he added, this is an amount which only the five declared nuclear states, the permanent members of the Security Council, who also happened to be uh, five of uh, the uh, six uh, parties, uh, plus Germany, uh, conducting these negotiations, only they have it. So Iran, um, this was the interpretation, Iran is now the sixth. Uh, almost nuclear uh, country. Um, now, as for the other point uh, you referred to, uh, for Joe Biden, weakness is strength. The uh, more it seems as if um, in a year's time, uh, in the midterm elections, the Republicans might regain uh, the majority in one or perhaps both houses of Congress the more pressure it puts on Iran to cut a deal now, rather than wait uh, for uh, Trump's influence um, to uh, forestall any deal at all.
1: Well, one question arises, however, when the 2015 agreement was uh, brought into play, all leaders, including uh, back then US President Barack Obama, said that it's not a perfect deal, but it's better than no deal. Pointing to a, a long list of flaws that should have been inserted, but uh, Iran managed to keep those out. The question now to you, Dr. Heinonen, is: Now at this stage, with Iran being so much more advanced, both in uh, what it has, Kva uh, materials, but also what uh, it has from a perspective of knowledge, you'll know how it was something that it cannot just abandon after it has already acquired that. To what level is this agreement, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, actually valid uh, to the reality on the ground?
2: Certainly, this is a very very different situation today as it was in 2015. There's no doubt about it. And I think that we have to look at it uh, in that context and ask ourselves, is this really still a valid deal? if we want to keep Iran in its, as they call, box, that it is not able to dash to the nuclear weapon capability. But then when you take a technical look, a bit deeper look, we have to remember that nuclear weapon is actually a system. system where you have fissile material production, high-end is uranium in this case. Then you have weapon itself, weapon design, and then you have the delivery vehicle. And now the breakout time actually includes all those three elements. But the JCPOA doesn't address the last two, the missile design and the nuclear weapon design. And this takes me back then to this nuclear archives, which Israel uh, lifted from Tehran in 2018. I think that at this point of time, it's important for the credibility of the JCPOA get finally out how far Iran has gone with weapon design, and where are they today?
1: Indeed, uh, Mr. Javed Anfal, I'd like to hear your reaction to this as well. But from a, an Iranian perspective, uh, Iran has seemingly stalled uh, for quite some time, even though the door was uh, at least vocally open to its uh, entry into the uh, re if you will, with the 2015 agreement. Do you see this as uh, just a tactic in trying to secure more leverage within the discussions that are going to be held? And to what degree? I hear a lot of skepticism from Tehran with regard to the success of those talks. Is there uh, a point where the Iranians would regard such an agreement as redundant from its own perspective?
3: Um First of all, uh, I'd like to um, refer to the point of uh, uh, that Mr. Biden's weakness is his strength. That's one theory. The other theory is that actually the Iranians are looking at a weak Biden and uh, they may be worried that, okay, we'll jump through all the hoops of reaching a new deal. And then it's possible that we could already see Mr. Biden's uh, favorability ratings are tanking and they are very low and they're even lower than President Trump uh, this time into his presidency. So why should we bother reaching another deal when Trump could return and, uh, and uh, you know, walk out of this deal as well? So that's another theory. Of course, we don't exactly know what Mr. Khamenei is thinking. but. Uh, uh, so this is, this is something that all, we also have to take into consideration. The Iranians, Ayatollah Khamenei, um, basically once he believes that injustice was done to Iran and unless Iran is uh, compensated, uh, it, you know, it, it's going to be unfair and that he's going to lose face. So America walked out of the deal, so it's America who has to return to the deal by first and foremost removing all sanctions that were imposed. And then it's Iran. Then it's up to Iran. But Iran should not take the first step. This is the this is the belief in Iran. Now, we all know that the economy is doing terribly recently, and, um, you know, the people of Iran are, are, are really suffering the inflation. I cannot begin to tell you how bad the inflation is. Um, but Ayatollah Khamenei seems to believe that he can manage that and that uh, he can basically wait out the Americans and wait for them to, to return to the negotiation table and to meet his demands. Now, another factor I think that is supporting this view in Tehran is what's happening between China and, and the United States. The, the Iranians seem to believe that because China is such an important issue for President Biden. He doesn't want to confront Iran, so Iran can can basically wait him out and, and uh, take a stronger position.
1: Indeed. Mr. Owen.
0: Well, uh, it's a very plausible scenario uh, if you look at it uh, from Tehran's point of view. But the problem uh, in this scenario is that should uh, Donald Trump return, he uh, could be very aggressive and uh, could actually wage war against Iran, which he didn't do in his uh, first term. So there are limits to brinkmanship here. And um, when um, a rational leadership, and the Iranians uh, have their own rationale, but they are rational, uh, up to now um, uh, they have not been uh, suicidal, um, when they weigh their options Uh, one should expect them to come down on the side of negotiating a deal with Biden.
1: Indeed. However, we're walking around the bush here. It's about the uh, what if and what here and what there. But uh, ultimately, this is about establishing viable constraints for Iran's nuclear weapon capabilities and program in exchange for sanctions relief. Is this now something that can be uh, accepted from the uh, P5 plus one, or the the, uh, five permanent members of the UN Security Council in Germany, or is this something that uh, has already reached a point of no return? Dr. Heinonen?
2: I don't think that it has passed the point of no return, but I still see quite a lot of differences between this parties to the uh, JCPOA, what is required from Iran to demonstrate that it has abandoned its nuclear weapons aspirations? Chinese and Russians are perhaps more relaxed, and they think that they can handle the situation with a longer term, even with a weaker JCPOA. While here in the U.S., the situation is certainly historically very different, and the experiences with deals with Iran are also uh, pointing to that direction. So there's a certain kind of trauma here in that sense, and no trust on the Iranian agreements. And I see as maybe as a most difficult this entering to the discussion and then lifting the sanctions because Iran is requiring at the same time something similar to what they asked in 2005, objective guarantees. That US will comply to its obligation, and in, under international law, it's actually very difficult. There's no real instrument which pushes you to follow the agreement which you have one side. There's no one agreement where you cannot leave. That is the practice. So I think that the dilemma will be here and the starting point: how, what sanctions to be lifted and how to verify that it works after that.
1: Indeed. Uh, Mr. Joven Anfal, the fact of the matter well, is the, uh, the, the United States cannot guarantee at this stage that the next administration will not decide to toss the paper once more and deal with it right. in a more stringent manner. Why would the Iranians return to a deal if this is the reality of the stage?
3: Well, the thing is, they don't want to be the ones who say no and to walk away because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to tarnish their relationship too much with, the, with the Russia and China. They want the Americans or the Europeans to say at the end, okay, this is not working. Um, one other point which I'd like to mention is that uh, Mr. Amir Oren um, made the point about Trump and Trump could come back and there could be war. Actually, the Iranians, I don't think see it that way. Trump talked a lot. He imposed a lot of sanctions, but he was very apprehensive about anything that could lead to military conflict between uh, Iran and the United States. And we saw it after after the Iranians shot down a U.S. UAV. They could have shut down another U.S. plane. They didn't. He even thanked them um for not shooting down that plane uh, the iranians i think they look at trump and they say okay you know he could impose sanctions but he's imposed the toughest sanctions on us but I, I think the calculation in iran is that even if trump returns he's not going to want a war because he all the time he talked about ending all the endless wars and he's the one who actually came up today the, with the agreement with the taliban to 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 eventually you know he set the stage for the u.s withdrawal from uh, from Afghanistan. At one stage, I'm sure Mr. Oren and Jonathan, you remember how rudely in Israel we, we were awoken with the news that he wants to withdraw all U.S. troops out of Syria and, and, you know, uh, how, how this was a shock for us. So I think also they, that that's that's another issue that Iranians are looking at. Um, I, I don't think they're too deterred by the prospect of a, of a U.S. attack. I think that what what deters them in the long run more uh, is probably, probably by an attack by Israel. One other point I have to, to make is that returning to, to the ne- nuclear negotiations, we also have to look at the possibility of does Iran, does the Iranian foreign ministry have enough English speakers and, nego- and negotiators to come back and to renegotiate the deal? Because those who could do it, they belong to the Zarif administration and they're left, they're gone, they're gone. The, the, the guys who are there speak, I mean, uh, Mr. Bavari, his English is not very good and others, are, I'm not sure that they even have the have the manpower and the skills to renegotiate a new deal. I think, again, I think they are um, cruising. You know, with the, they have their legs on the clutch and they are continuing. They're waiting out the Americans. And, and, you know, if at the end of the day, if the Americans want to walk away, Iran wants to say, okay, was the Americans and the Europeans
0: who walked away, not the Iran? Uh, The language barrier uh, is not going to be that high. Uh, The Soviets always negotiated with the Americans in Russian, with interpreters, uh, in order to have extra time. Uh, to think about the the positions that they uh, were given, even though Gromyko and others understood English perfectly well. Uh, It's a diplomatic uh, ploy which the Iranians will use regardless of their command of uh, uh, the English uh, language. But Jonathan earlier asked, uh, why uh, uh, shouldn't the Iranians be skeptical of an American commitment now if the next administration could abrogate it? And the answer is because it's a good deal for them. They are losing nothing if they return to the JCPOA uh, because they keep the vision of having uh, um, nuclear weapons down the road, be it in 2031, or perhaps there will be an extension for the sunset uh, clauses. All they have um, to have in an agreement is the assurance that sometime down the road, they will be free and sovereign to do what they wish. Dr. Heinonen,
2: yes, I, I think, think that the, uh, his address was right. That uh, this deal is, if it comes as it is, it is very good for Iran. It doesn't close any doors for the future, and uh, slowly also the. Sanctions start to fade away, restrictions start to fade away. First one's in a little bit more than one year time. And five, six years from now they can enrich any num- to any number, any quantity they need. So for them it's a good deal if it is like that. But I would really caution the other parties not just to go ahead with the old deal have some provisions for improvement, because otherwise we will see the same trouble two, three years from now, and with one more difference. Iran has built further its capabilities. It has its missiles improved, perhaps a weapon design, which is not now investigated at all. So I think that this is an important moment to visit the JCPOA and agree on different kind of future. Mr. and Fall. Well, uh,
3: I, logically, I, I, I agree with Ellie, uh, with Dr. Heinen, and sorry that we should uh, that it's very important and it's beneficial for for, for the for the government of Iran for, for the people of Iran. I'm not actually sure it's beneficial for the for the for the Islamic Republic and the the the, the deep state. Um, but I, it would be beneficial for everybody else. We have to also remember that uh, the deep state in Iran thrives in such times. They act like the mafia. You know, they close down all the doors and hatchets of of Iran's economy. They take over the economy. They go around threatening other companies and other businessmen to go and do business with them. Um, you know, in a way, in this this the closing down the hatchets and being under sanctions also under, under these circumstances the Iranian regime thrives, and we see what's happening. Uh, to the Iranian economy in terms of how the deep state is taking over the economy slowly, slowly. But I think also, I think there's a psychological element at play here. Within the Islamic Republic, um, we we have to uh, put this into Iranian context, please. Let's not look at this from an Israeli point of view or American or Finnish point of view. Let's look at it from an Iranian regime point of view. The 2015 deal was very difficult for Khamenei to accept. He made a lot of compromises, a lot of compromises to accept that deal. He was far away from what he had in mind. But he was convinced by Rouhani and others that America's word is America's word and you can can take it to the bank. And he feels that he was cheated and lied to by by the moderates, number one. Number two, he believes that Iran, uh, Mr. Rouhani and Mr. Zarif, smiling to the Americans and wanting to talk to Americans, portrayed an image of weakness to the Americans. And the Americans exploited that image of weakness, not only to reimpose sanctions, not only to walk out of the nuclear deal, but also to kill the apple of Ayatollah Khamenei's eyes, which is Hassan Soleimani. And we cannot underestimate or overlook the psychological impact of all these developments on the worldview of Ayatollah Khamenei, which I think plays a key part as to why right now, despite having a very weak economy, despite all the problems in Iran, he wants to negotiate from a stronger hand.
1: That is uh, That goes without saying, but uh, one point I think it's important to highlight, however. When we're talking about the Iranian government under Hassan Rouhani, many of whom have now been... Uh, uh, condemned to prison terms, uh, including uh, advisors and ministers and, and so on, uh, is very different than the government of Ibrahim Raisi, and the current government of Iran is one and the same as the Iranian regime of the Islamic yes. Republic, and there's yes. no difference there whatsoever. Therefore, a n- renewed or a revival of this JCPOA at this stage will be good, as good for the regime as it is for the government of Iran. Uh, Mr. Owen
0: Uh, When we speak about uh, what could happen down the road uh, in two, three, five, ten years, should the Iranians uh, have the benefit of uh, either the old JCPOA or uh, an improved one, it depends improved from uh, whose point of view, um, we should nevertheless remember that nothing is frozen. We are speaking about climate change, even the icebergs melt. There are other technological developments, especially in cyber and in other adjacent areas, which would give Israel and other countries tools to take down the Iranian nuclear project, perhaps without a kinetic attack, should the need arise. So as long as these developments take place, the um, playing field will still be at least level, and perhaps even more so to the West's and Israel's advantage.
1: Indeed. Uh, Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to give uh, each and every one of you the opportunity to have a closing uh, analysis for the near future ahead of the talks. Of course, uh, Dr. Uh, Heinonen, if you could also provide... A sentence of advice to uh, IAEA Director General Rafael Mariano Grossi, who is uh, also in a very difficult position, on the one hand, calling for a censor of the regime, on the other hand, uh, being in a quite precarious situation in between Eastern powers and Western powers playing politics at the expense of the agency. What can you tell us, uh, uh, in your perspective, is going to unfold in the near future?
2: First of all, yes. He is indeed in a very difficult position, but he's the right man to be in that position. I have no doubt about it, because he, he's looking also with a longer term. It's also about the credibility of the IAEA verification system. That is also in the stake. And in particular, as we now see that since September, when uh, IAEA has asked certain explanations to this undeclared uh, uranium, which is there, there's no real progress done in one and a half month. So this is a matter of great concern, and I think at the IAEA board meeting, which takes place on 25th of uh, uh, November, in two weeks' time, is an important point also whether the IAEA board can send a message and or censure or adopt a resolution that Iran has to answer to those questions. A lot of people say, don't do it, not do it, you will jeopardize these uh, negotiations. But this is exactly why the, uh, Iran has been dragging uh, answers to those questions in order to come to this, to this situation where it has an upper hand. So I, th- I think that we should comment the courage so Mr. Grossi and the international community should give him all the support on his mission. This is not anymore only about Iran, this is about the. Uh, future of the verification scheme. Indeed. Mr. Javedam
3: Well, I think if the current situation continues, we're going to end, there's going to be a war. The Islamic Republic sees Israel in its eyes, it sees Israel as it, Israel lost the 2006 war against Hezbollah. The Islamic Republic of Iran sees uh, that, uh, you know, Hamas dealt a very strong blow against Israel in its recent war. Ayatollah Khamenei, I I said all those factors he's affected by, but I think there's another important factor is that I think he's surrounding himself by around by sycophants, which is actually what happened with the Shah, which is why his regime fell. But I'm not not saying Ayatollah Khamenei's regime is going to fall. But I, you know, I I know they watch this program in Iran because actually some of the hardline Telegram channels have taken segments of this 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 program and have translated into Farsi. So if they're listening. I hope the Islamic Republic gets some real Israel experts who speak Hebrew to understand that this situation is serious. And if the current situation continues with Iran amassing nuclear, uh, enriched uranium to 60 percent or more and getting close to nuclear weapons, this is going to end up in a war. That no Israeli government, be it headed by Netanyahu Netanyahu, Bennett or the Meretz party, is going to accept a nuclear-armed Islamic Republic of Iran.
1: Mr.
0: Well, if, if uh, the uh, rulers in Tehran really believe that Israel lost the 2006 campaign, uh, they are gravely mistaken because Israel indeed paid a heavy price but uh, gained 15 uh, years of uh, quiet and deterrence. Of course, it's uh, very fragile. But as we are speaking now, uh, uh, this is uh, the uh, situation. You know, in uh, the early 50s, um, before the Mossadegh, Uh, coup, there was a CIA estimate saying that the Persians have never won a war in centuries and they have still not won a war and they shouldn't risk one. Indeed. Well, this is is not about Persians. I told
3: Khamenei doesn't represent Persians. I told Khamenei it represents the religious class,
1: but indeed. Uh, being also Azeri himself, but that's a different story, and we'll leave it for a different discussion. This is all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Dr. Heinonen, Mr. Javed Anfar, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.